Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. This is your sneak peek for the week of March 29th. We got cases coming up on securities, class actions, and in the midst of March Madness, good timing, antitrust in an appeal over student-athlete compensation. The court is continuing its leisurely pace of hearing just one argument a day. Kimberly, before we preview these three arguments, we got a couple opinions this week. Tell us what happened in the Ford jurisdiction case. Sure. So this is Ford Motor Company versus Montana 8th Judicial District. Uh, And here the Supreme Court said that advertising, selling, and servicing cars in a state is enough to establish jurisdiction there, even if the cars were bought and sold in a different state. So here, individuals who are injured or killed in crashes uh, can sue Ford Motor in Montana and Wisconsin based on the fact that Ford is a, quote, global auto company. So this expansive take on jurisdiction was unanimous with Justice Elena Kagan writing for the 8-0 court. Justice Barrett didn't participate in that one. And this was Justice Kagan's first opinion in an argued case this term. So getting a slow start to the term, but I'm sure she'll bring it home. Anyway, I just wanted to note that um, this was the first civil procedure case that the court heard without civil procedure guru Justice Ginsburg. So she was missed during oral arguments. We had another case too. You want to tell us about that one? We did. Another case that's going to allow lawsuits to proceed. This one is Torres against Madrid. The court sided with a woman who was shot by police but got away. Chief Justice Roberts wrote the opinion, as he put it, quote, The question in this case is whether a seizure occurs when an officer shoots someone who temporarily eludes capture after the shooting. The answer is yes, end quote. So that removes a hurdle to Roxanne Torres' suit against the New Mexico officers who shot her. But there's more litigation ahead in her case. Among the hurdles still lurking is qualified immunity, Mm. an issue we've discussed on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. And Robert's opinion was just for a bare majority, five justices. He was joined by Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Kavanaugh. Gorsuch, Thomas, and Alito dissented. The case was heard in October before Barrett was confirmed. So only eight justices on this one. And Kimberly, you spotted something familiar in the breakdown. Right. So one thing that was interesting to note that you mentioned was the lineup of the justices. So this is the second time that Roberts and Kavanaugh have sided with the liberals in a divided case to swing the results towards a more liberal ruling. Uh, The first was in Salinas, the Railroad Retirement Board case. Who could forget that, right? Of course. Uh, So these cases obviously are among the lower profile cases that the court is deciding. But it does show that there is a path to victory in, you know, the 6-3 conservative majority court. But whether the Democratic appointees can really translate those votes to wins in higher profile cases, well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I guess another wrinkle to this in the Torres case is... You know, especially in the criminal cases, that can blur kind of the traditional liberal conservative distinction, both in terms of how you think about the cases and what the justices do. But it's usually, in recent years anyway, in some cases, been Gorsuch, who's been Mm -hmm. kind of muddying that narrative. But he was in the dissent in this case. So adds yet another wrinkle to all of that. 
So you want to get into this week's cases? Sure, let's do it. Uh, there's a theme with this week's cases, and that's that they're all class actions. So first up is Goldman Sachs versus the Arkansas Teachers Retirement System. So this is a securities class action. And the question for the justices is whether class action defendants can rebut what is known as the, quote, basic presumption. So let's go back to 1988 when the Supreme Court said that class action plaintiffs alleging that companies misled investors don't have to show that each individual investor relied on a particular misstatement when deciding to invest. Instead, they can rely on the efficient market theory, which says that all information, including misstatements, are incorporated into the price of a stock such that investors kind of automatically rely on any statements or misstatements. So there have been efforts to eliminate the basic presumption, uh, which have failed. The court upheld it in recent terms. Here, the defendants are trying to limit it. And so the question for the justices is if and how companies can rebut that presumption. Here, Goldman Sachs made pretty generic statements about their good reputation um, and things of that sort that all companies say. But the plaintiffs here argued that the investment company actually failed to disclose certain conflicts of interest and that talking generically about their awesome reputation uh, was actually a misstatement. So Kimberly, we got another class action banger on Tuesday. Uh, well, another class action in TransUnion versus Ramirez. So this is a follow-up case to the Spokio case from a few terms ago. Remember that? Of course you do. Uh, the question here is whether plaintiffs may bring a class action where a majority of the class can't show that they have an actual injury, but instead are relying on statutory damages. So this case involves the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And in particular, the plaintiffs here allege that credit reporting agencies place terrorist alerts incorrectly on their consumer credit reports, which Whoops. apparently um, has some adverse you know, implications when you try and buy cars and stuff. Not ideal. Uh, anyway, another class action on Wednesday to wrap up the March sitting. Tell us about what's going on with basketball. And it's good! It's good! NCAA against Alston. This case involves antitrust and college athletics. Of course, this is set against the backdrop of college athletes generating a ton of money, but not seeing much of it themselves. The legal issue in the case is narrower than all of that, but still has some big implications. And what happened here is the NCAA was blocked from restricting education-related benefits like computers and scholarships, and the NCAA is appealing a Ninth Circuit ruling that said those restrictions are unlawful restraints of trade. The appeal doesn't involve direct payments to student-athletes, but even still, the NCAA says the Ninth Circuit ruling essentially allows pay-to-play in disguise, like in the form of highly paid internships. The NCAA is worried that the ruling will, quote, fundamentally transform the century-old institution of NCAA sports, blurring the traditional line between college and professional athletes, end quote. The athletes say the NCAA is really just looking to avoid complying with the law under the guise of this amateurism regime. And the Justice Department will be supporting the athletes at the argument, and notably this will be Acting Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelager's first argument since attaining the post. 
She'll face off against Seth Waxman of Wilmer Hale, a former Solicitor General himself, when Bill Clinton was president, and Jeffrey Kessler of Winston and Strawn will be the main attorney arguing for the athletes. Well, that's going to do it for this week's arguments and the March sitting. Next week, we'll be back with a deep dive looking at that NCAA case. So stay tuned for that. And until then, you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com. Don't forget to check out our TikTok, too. And it's over! Gonzaga! My name is David Schultz, and I'm here to announce On the Merits, a new podcast from Bloomberg Law that brings you everything you need to know about the biggest legal stories of the week, coupled with smart interviews and analysis on a variety of topics, such as the incoming Biden administration's judicial priorities. So I think diversity is is kind of the watchword here. We'll also keep our eyes on the Supreme Court. Now everyone is on Breyer watch. We're all watching to see when or if Justice Breyer is going to step down. You'll hear voices and perspectives from across the legal industry, including reporters and editors, attorneys, legal scholars, general counsel. But lest you think this podcast is all just news you can use, from time to time we stumble on a court docket or legal opinion that, for whatever reason, just piques our interest. And he started this opinion, 224ths of it, Citing the Passchendaele battle is one of the largest battles of World War One. Um, that seems like a strange way to start off an opinion on corporate law. You can download On the Merits wherever you get your podcasts.